What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to judge where each SEC team sits as we are five weeks into the season with our buddy Chris Marler. We'll also take an early look at all of the SEC Week 6 games. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at lockedonsec.com. Every week around this time, we jump into it and talk all things college football with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, welcome in. We're five weeks into the season. This thing is flying by. This is where I start getting depressed, like when I shouldn't be because it's all the good games. You're like, oh, no, slow down. Like it's just (laughs) like how parents talk about their kids. Like, man, I wish time would would sure slow down, brother. But that's how I feel about college football. Man, I wish I could watch more Marler or uh, Auburn versus Mercer. (laughs) Nobody's. Yeah, I would prefer to watch Auburn. Versus nobody, especially after that LSU game on, uh, on Saturday. <laughs> all right, so we are five weeks into the college football season. It's time to assess where all the SEC teams are at this point. So I'm going to throw out a team in the record. You tell me, have they exceeded expectations at this point? Kind of met expectations or about where you thought they would be? Or they've underachieved? And we'll start in the East. Let's start Hold with... On, I have a question. Yeah. A question before we start. Sure. Whose expectations? Like mine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or just okay, okay. kind of, you know, the the general consensus on what yeah. most people thought. 5-0 and o, Georgia. Mm. So that's tough because, like, right... I, see, I, I would say meets expectations because at the start of the year, you're exceeding expectations. Now you're kind of, um, you know, you've kind of underwhelmed some people the last two weekends. I would say meets expectations. And that's a good thing because of where they're at and where they're supposed to be. Um I'm not worried about Georgia. I know they've had a couple two weeks in a row. Kent State, Mizzou, kind of played down to their competition. I think in the long run they're fine. Uh, but, yeah, I would say meets expectations. Yeah, all you got to do is win, and that's what Georgia has done so far. Uh, next up is 4-0 Tennessee. Oh, exceeds. Exceeds because, like, I think I think they all expected – I think Tennessee fans expected to be 4-0 going out of that month. It's kind of a tough month when you look at it. Just like to, you know, just to go in there, expect you to beat Florida, and you go beat Pitt on the road, who's been god awful, by the way, at home, especially against the spread. I think they're zero and four uh, against the spread at home games. But I mean, I would take seeds just because of how good the offense has been. Like we knew it was going to be good. I don't think any of us knew it was going to be this good. Um, so I would take seeds. Yeah, and and I'm kind of with. I mean, like the Florida game was not no guarantee, and the West Virginia game was kind of. You know, it could have been a loss. So, yeah, I, right. I'd put them slightly exceeding thus far. How about 4-1 and one, Kentucky? I'll say they're kind of right where I thought they would be at this point. Oh, underwhelmed. Just all – just – no, I'm kidding. I would say – I would say meets. I, I think, you know, they haven't played well in some regards at home, and then you go on the road against Ole Miss, and then you play, um, you know, good enough to win that game, which was not good enough to win the game in, in hindsight because – they kind of make the same old mistakes. Like for me with Kentucky, I've said this last week. I just I have a feeling that they haven't learned any lessons. Like these turnovers that they consistently have, especially the quarterback position, have not been great. And I said this going into the year, and people thought I was an idiot because I usually am. But 
I don't see how you replace that offensive line that you lost from a year ago, and it's reared its ugly head this year. So I would say I would say meets, but you're close to being a little bit underwhelming, which sounds weird because it's Kentucky and they're ranked in the top 15. Yeah, I'd say that if they could be a little bit more balanced with Chris Rodriguez back in the fold and they could be more 50-50 run pass, I think that, right. that'll take the pressure off the O-line. Uh, we don't even have to get yeah. in this one, but 3-2 and two Vandy, I'm just saying exceeds because three exceeds. wins, nobody had them at three wins at this point. How much fun is Vandy this year? Like they're they're so much fun to watch. Uh, well, they got a fun offense to watch. Well, I mean, they, not, they already passed they, their yeah, not when they played Bama. <laughs> yeah, but no one's fun when they play Bama. Um, I mean, for the most part. So, I would say exceeds. Yeah, without a doubt, it's, that's a, that's a no brainer. All right, three and two Georgia. The record isn't what underachieves, Wait, but man, three and two Georgia. Uh, I'm sorry, three and two Florida. Three and two okay. Florida. Uh, I'm, the record isn't crazy, isn't very surprising because look, we knew they would go through their growing pains. But zero and two in the conference for the first time in like twenty something years, Florida has definitely underachieved so far. Yeah, I would say they've underachieved, and, and they're zero and two in the conference. And you had one of those games at home, which is not good. Um, you play your Sunday game against Eastern Washington, is really bad. Um, by the way, if you were watching any of that and you weren't watching the NFL, and they were giving you the first half line at eighteen and a half, that was. That was just child's play. That was easy money. Um, but I will say I would think they underperformed just because it's Anthony Richardson. And and he comes out of the gates. You know, you hear all this stuff about how he could be a top 10 draft pick and he's the first round and all that kind of stuff. And then he shows it all, like, you know, the first week uh, against Utah and has this huge win. And we all just assume Florida is going to be Florida. And they are not. And, and, and he has not been great either. So um, I would say underperformed, yeah, for sure. Uh, three and two South Carolina. I'm going to say they're they're underachieving because I thought Spencer Rattler was going to be much better. Now here's the deal. I'm going to say meets expectations for me because I said all year that they were not going to be very good, and they're not. And that's like that's fine. They're probably where they need to be in year two. But I I remember saying this over and over. Spencer Rattler was a good quarterback at, at OU at times. I know he lost his starting job to Caleb Williams, who could be the best quarterback in the country. We don't know. Um, but yeah, he has been disappointing to, for him to have the lowest QBR in the league is not good. That is very surprising. But here's the other thing too, is that offensive line is awful and it's just, they have not been able to keep him upright a lot of times. Uh, and, and he's feel like he's always like running for his life. If I see one more highlight of Spencer Rattler rolling out to his right to throw to somebody, my God. Last one in the East, two and three, Missouri. I, I would say probably meets expectations of where I thought they'd be at this point, but give Eli Drinkwood's credit. They fought like hell against Auburn, should have won that game, and they battled their butts off for four quarters against Georgia. Would have been very exciting had they pulled off the upset, but yeah. I, they're fighting. They haven't quit on Drinkwitz. So I would say it's a little bit of being a prisoner of the moment and recent, uh, you know, like recency bias, but I will say they're meeting expectations, even though going into the year, I expect a little bit more out of, I expected more out of the offense. I expected to see Luther Burden more. I expected to see Mookie Cooper more. Um, there was a couple of things that I expected a little bit, Further along, and I did not expect you, if you're in the SEC especially, and I don't care how this sounds, but to go on the road against Kansas State and lose 40-12, to 12, I, I mean, I, I don't expect that, I, and I don't respect that. So I hate that. I hate that, uh, to be honest. But they did look good in the last two weeks in terms of probably should have won a game, one of those games, for sure. Let's flip over to the West. 5-0 and Alabama, I think, right where we thought they'd be. Oh, exceeding expectations. <laughs> just, ex- I mean, I just... <laughs> Um, I would say, I'd say meets expectations strictly because if it wasn't for the Texas game, I would say exceeding because I don't think anybody thought 
that they would come back and beat this dog because they weren't dominant a year ago in a lot of ways. They put up a lot of points, but you know, you watch the back half of that schedule against the conference, they did not look great in a lot of those games. What we saw on Saturday was great. That was good. Um, you know, we'll see what they do this weekend. But uh, yeah, I would say meets expectations. How about four and one LSU, and most of note two and zero in the conference? I'd say maybe even slightly exceeding expectations so far for Brian. Oh, definitely Bell. exceeding. I had him picked last in the West, <laughs> like an idiot. Like, like I, I don't. This is the biggest miss I've had in years. Like, I don't know what I was thinking about. I just, I just kept looking at that that division. I was like, well, where are they going to stack up against these teams? I didn't think they were going to beat Mississippi State necessarily. They did at home. They handled their business. Here's the, here's the thing I love to see from LSU, and you saw it a week ago, and I was telling you this because I called you when you were out in L.A. I was out here walking the dogs in front of the, in front of the apartment, and I remember saying, listen, hammer, hammer, hammer LSU, because one thing that Brian Kelly has done in his first year is put teams away in the fourth quarter. That's something Harson has really struggled with at Auburn. Um, but 41 points and, zero, and only seven given up to FBS teams in the fourth quarter of games this year, love to see that, love to see that. How about five and zero Ole Miss? And look, they've been they've been impressive. They've done what they needed to do. They're undefeated. But when I we looked at that schedule, SEC media days went, man. I mean, if they beat Kentucky, they'll be five and zero. The test before yeah. that, they haven't been tested really outside of, before that Kentucky game. Yeah, Kentucky game going into it, they had the hundred twenty second ranked uh, strength of schedule in the country. Didn't really like that as much. But what I love from Ole Miss is two things, and this is this is like really, uh, it's a staple of Lane Kiffin. Um, and it's also a huge feather in his cap and a credit to Lane Kiffin, which is they're five and zero and seemingly flying under the radar, even as a top ten team. People like aren't really talking about Ole Miss. And the other thing is too is it's the, it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about with some of these teams that go on in the fourth quarter. But Ole Miss comes out, they jump on you early, and they prevent you from winning these games late because of the leads they built early in the game. Now, would I love to see more second half consistency? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the second straight week. I think they haven't scored in the second half, besides maybe one point or seven points um, against Kentucky. But other than that, man, like you go out, you, you, you take care of home field advantage, you take advantage of that. You, you have, uh, you know, pretty bad quarterback play and you still find yourself in not only in games, but winning games you've done it with the defense. So I think I would say exceeding expectations because of those reasons. That meat of the schedule getting ready to come up for them. How about four and one Mississippi State uh, beat A and M for the second straight year? I, I would maybe lean towards a little bit exceeding, but I'd be fine if you said they're meeting expectations. I would say exceeding because I don't know if we thought that they would beat A and M two years in a row. I know they were a favorite in that game Vegas was, but I think going into the year, I didn't think that, that was a game they were necessarily going to win, like kind of revenge game, you know, for for A and M. But the way they did it too, and this is something I, I brought up last week on this show, is is one thing I love about Mississippi State, and like they got stifled a little bit early in that game against um, A&M where they didn't score in the first quarter, but they score and score and score, and they put up points in every quarter. And so it's hard for you if you're a team with a stagnant offense, like an Auburn, like a, an A&M, to keep up with a team like that because you don't score consistently. You kind of score on more of like a fluky basis. Um, it's hard to beat a team like that. And, and I love the fact that they keep putting pressure on people both offensively and defensively because that defense has been really maybe the most underrated unit in the, in the SEC. The last three SEC West teams, they're all three and two, but I'm going to put all three of them in the disappointing category. Uh, so far, that's Auburn, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. Agree, yeah. disagree, think one belongs in a different category? Arkansas is tough because you played Bama, and, and you should have already come into that game probably undefeated, and then whatever happens against Bama happens against Bama, right? A&M is hilariously under, underperforming, and I love to see it. I, like – 
I think we all do. Like it's hard. It's well, it's not hard to hate on AM because of their cheerleaders and they're so nice. They are so they are like supposed to be really nice, aren't howdy. they? Like they're, they're howdy guys. They don't boo, they hiss at people. Um, so that's cool. Talking and with totally Marler. Talk wearing a blue hat. Got <laughs> a state of Mississippi on it. But here's the thing. You got a compound and a complex strength of schedule coming up, and you got to go on the road to Bama. You know what's scary for a and is I don't think they play a home game back in, in Kyle Field until like the end of October. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I would say underperforming for them. And then you get to my favorite with Auburn. I don't know why I ever chose to hop on this Auburn and Brian Harson bandwagon that things were going to be okay because it's not. Yeah, you were trying to – Tout them as a dark horse for the championship. I wasn't point. doing that. I wasn't going that far, but I was I was doing too much. I will say that. You know, you look at some of the stuff that they've had going in the offseason. You have Tank Bigsby coming back, and and you think the quarterback play would improve, but it like Brian Harson has just shown time and time again that he doesn't he doesn't have the tools to succeed. And that's both with what he has like on, on, on his roster, and I think in between his ears too, with with succeeding at this level. And I hate to say that because I think you know, I really was on board. I thought Harson was a, was a good coach and, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. But, man, you look at their last however many games, I think nine games against SC opponents, they've scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. They've been shut out in six of those. Like, that is tough. That is tough. Well, I talked to Old Rock, and Old Rock said, we're going to talk more with Chris Marler in just a second, so sit tight, Marler. Uh, first off, want to remind you guys, uh, thank you for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at all of the week six games. But first, want to let you know our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the, college, the Locked on College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the SEC weekend or uh, throughout the history of the conference. And this week's thrilling moment from the SEC goes to Ole Miss's uh, Ivy, who with Kentucky trailing 22-19 to in Oxford, Kentucky had the ball with a first and goal at the Ole Miss 12 with under a minute to play. Kentucky was looking to score either a go-ahead touchdown or at least kick a game-tying field goal to send it to overtime. But as the ball was snapped, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis drops back into the pocket. Ivy comes crashing down on him as his arm came back to throw, and Ivy knocks the ball loose. Uh, Tavius Robinson recovers the ball, secures the Ole Miss victory. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, continue on here, Locked On SEC, and joined by our good buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. And so let's jump into it, Marler, an early look ahead at week six of the SEC. We finally get all 14 teams playing this week, and every team is playing a conference game. So we've got all SEC versus SEC games as God intended. Let's yeah. jump into this one. 12 Eastern on ESPNU. It is 2-3 and three Mizzou at 3-2 and two Florida. Gators over a 10-point favorite. Uh, take Mizzou because they they kind of own Florida. I, like I, th- I feel like it, like am I crazy for thinking that? Yeah, let me look back at the, at the uh, at the history there, but it does feel that way, right? Yeah. Um, no, th- th- this game this game is in the swamp. Yes. Does Florida play on the road like ever? Like ever ever? Do they ever get to play ho- or away games? My God, I mean, like I just. That they they they're literally Mother Nature is trying to tell you to go play road games with this with Hurricane Ian 
And all they want to do is like, no, we're going to stay here. We'll move it to Sunday, brother. Nobody wants to watch the Jags anyway. Like, Jesus, Florida, just get away from home. Like, listen, that guy from Failure to Launch left his, his home more than these people have. And it's just, it's mind-blowing to me at this point. Three of the last five have gone to Mizzou. So, yeah, that's bad. That's um, not great. I think Florida will win. Mizzou's been pretty tough on the road, but I would take, I would take Mizzou in the points. All right, also early at 11 a.m. Central on the SEC Network, it's 3-2 Arkansas at number 23, Mississippi State. State at about an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Is KJ Jefferson out? They haven't said, but when I heard Sam Pittman talk on Monday, he wouldn't, you know, they were like, well, is he concussion protocol? He's like, I didn't say that. But then he went on to talk about the backup quarterbacks pretty extensively. That kind of let me know they may be without him. I didn't see him practicing either today when, when they were showing some of the videos from that. Um, or And also just shout out to the incredible college football knowledge that always comes from Barstool, and they called him R.J. Jefferson. Just <laughs> just great content as always from those guys. Not bottom feeding at all. But anyway, um, K.J. Jefferson, if he's out, then yeah, I buy into the eight and a half. This game's at, at Mississippi State. I mean, Arkansas's beaten them the first two years under Sam Pittman, haven't they? I believe so, yeah. I, Arkansas is too good of a football team. I think they're too well-rounded of a football team to to go out like that and, and get beat by what you're saying is basically double digits by a Mississippi State team. But also, here's the thing I'll say. Okay, so Arkansas has the worst pass defense in the SEC, possibly the country. But when you look at what Mississippi State does, they don't take the top off a of defense. It's, it's a lot of intermediate routes, a lot of dink and dunk, high completion percentage throws. I don't think that they're going to struggle as much as an offense like that as they have in the past. So I would take Arkansas at the points for, for sure. Yeah, uh, by the way, Arkansas has won those two matchups under Sam Pittman, but close. One-score one games, both wins. So, okay. hey, you know, maybe history repeats itself. But, yeah. man, how can you not like what Leach is doing at home in Starkville? The Cowbells are going, and Will Rogers is, like, unstoppable right now. Lights out. Uh, 4 o'clock Eastern on the SEC Network. It's number 9 Ole Miss. That feels weird to say. At and 3-2 yeah. Vandy. Uh, Rebs are about an 18-point favorite. Lucky draw of the cards that Ole Miss gets Vandy in the East this year. Just put this game – listen, just do us all a favor, okay? You were doing the Nissan thing earlier, and, and you talk about, the like, the highlights from the past and all this kind of stuff. Just bring back the three fat Daves. Bring back a 12:30 Jefferson Pilot game for this game and this game only. God, I would love it. I think everyone would love it um, to put this game on, on that, like – Make it grainy. Don't even do it like in 1080 HD. Put it in 720. I think that'd be awesome. Um, I would take Ole Miss in this. Like, they have not done as well on the road. Um, actually, that's not true. They beat the crap out of Georgia Tech, so maybe, they, maybe they'll continue that. I don't know. I have no feel for this game. I don't really want to have a feel for this game. How about this? Ray Davis, top five in the SEC in rushing, and Will Shepard, top five in the SEC in receiving. But I would yeah. almost say, run Ray Davis. You know Ole Miss is going to run Quinshawn Judkins. Just right. both teams run the ball, and let's have a running clock and get out in under three right. hours. How about that? Love that. I love that. <laughs> the nightcap on SEC Network. So we've basically gone like triple header on the SEC Network on Saturday. Mm-hmm. 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network. It's 3-2 and two South Carolina at number 13, Kentucky. Kentucky about a 10.5-point favorite. This is one, man. This is a turn-the-page game for Kentucky. Put that, me. put that loss behind you, man. This is one you can't let up. Don't let South Carolina come into your house and steal one. Yeah, that'd be awful. That would be awful. Um, oh, man, this is tough. Uh, I would say, honestly, like, you know, you'd probably take probably take Kentucky here because South Carolina's been so bad. They've been so bad early on in games. The best bet, if you're looking to gamble on this game, is the first half under, no matter what it is, because – Kentucky has scored, I think, going into 
Last week, they'd only scored like 14 first quarter points. South Carolina's got one of the worst first half offenses as well in the country. Neither one of these teams gets an early start. Okay. They're like me. They're very late risers. They love, you know, they're, they're going to wake up around two in the afternoon on this one and then and then get it going. And that's probably about with 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So um, I should be a very boring game early on. Maybe it's exciting late. Yeah. But Kentucky, show me, show me you're the program that you, that you, your fans think you are and that we all want you to be and, and put them away early. Yeah, uh, Kentucky won this one last year, sixteen to ten. Will Levis threw for a hundred yards, so Gross. they uh, they need to bounce back. All right, more with Chris Marler in just a second, and we're telling you all about these games. Uh, taking a look ahead at the games and the lines this weekend. A lot of these lines come from our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for football betting info throughout the season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles. And analysis on every game you can find at Bet Online. They remain your continued source for all your sports wagering information. They got live betting, up to the minute scores, every sport out there, including the one we love most, college football, including a lot of these SEC games. Again, we're getting into conference on conference play. They got a lot of action and lines. Go check them out. It is Bet Online. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. All right, continue on here with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored Podcast. And Marler, we get into the thick of it on the games that uh, really matter or really going to have a lot of people's attention this weekend. We'll start at 11 a.m. Central on ESPN from Baton Rouge. It is number eight, Tennessee, at number 25, LSU. How about that? LSU, when I said that, I was like, God, LSU has not been ranked since preseason last year when they went to UCLA, lost that game, and LSU hasn't been ranked since then. So LSU back to the top 25. The Vols about a three-point favorite. Yeah, so this line is – so, like, I'm not hating on Tennessee by any means because it might not be a fan base that deserves to catch a break more. But, man, if you go into back-to-back games that were at LSU and Bama at home and they're both missing their starting quarterback and you get Death Valley at 11 a.m., not at night, that is about as fortunate as you can get. Um how does Tennessee go up against this very opportunistic defense? Um, gets a lot of turnovers, forces a lot of turnovers, puts you in a lot of uncomfortable situations. But how does LSU keep up with the, the Tennessee offense in the first half, especially? This is a very fast-scoring team. I think putting up over 50 points a game, um, putting up like you know upwards of 550 yards per game. LSU, I think they'll be ready. I just don't know if they're – if their quarterback situation is going to be able to get it done, especially going up against a guy like Hendon Hooker on the other side. Yeah, Brian Kelly said on Monday, Jaden Daniels is expected to go in this one. He is a little, okay. he is a little banged up. So if he play, but even if Jaden Daniels plays, the problem is LSU's been so slow out of the gates. They right. scored three points in the first half against Florida State. They scored seven in the in the first half against Mississippi State. They barely got fourteen the first half against Auburn to make Auburn. it close. So. Right. Come out of the gates. If Hendon Hooker gets that ball first and goes right down the field and scores, LSU, can you keep up? Now, on the flip side, right. Tennessee's defense is not all that great or hasn't right. been yet. So can LSU take advantage of that, run the football? We saw John Emery start to break out this past week with a couple of high-stepping uh, plays. So, yeah. um, so we'll see. But this LSU bunch is a very resilient bunch. If they pull you down, if they drag Tennessee down into the mud, and this is like a – 21-20 game late in the fourth quarter. Who can pull out, you know, the big plays when it matters most? Yeah. That's going to be big. And by the way, if Jaden Daniels plays, the two lone SEC quarterbacks who have yet to throw an interception. And then Hooker, 
Jane Daniels, who makes the right. first mistake. Uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. It is 3-2 Auburn at number two Georgia. I don't know. Have you seen the line yet? Yeah, it's 29. Okay, it's up to 30 now on bet online. So, um, I mean, I'm going. I'm going to this 30. game. Thirty. Um, I this used to be my favorite rivalry. It probably still is. I don't like it that it's being played so early. Um, but it should be a fun game. We'll see how it goes. I, I, I you know, what do you expect out of this? Like, I, like, I don't. I mean, Auburn sucks. You're, you're I mean, Auburn sucks. You're man. so out of loss for words in this one. Like, I am. Like, I don't know. What to, I've tried my best to like turn it into something to where it's like, well, here's what you can put put your your money on uh, if you're Auburn. Um, there's not much you can really get excited about at this point. And now you're going into Georgia, who is another team that refused to play on the road. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then when they do, they look like <laughs> so. I I don't know. Like. I, I'm not. I wouldn't. I have no feel for. Now, okay. Here, let me paint a picture of how this could be entertaining. Let me paint a picture about this. The last two weeks in a row, Georgia has looked like in the first half. Auburn, Auburn has. If I told you this, I don't know if you'd believe me. But in the last three of their last four SEC games, okay, three of their last four, Auburn has opened up a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter of those games. Now, they've won none of those games in regulation. None. <laughs> um, and then the other lead they had was like 7-0 at halftime against Bama. Uh, but maybe there's some crazy world where they get a pick six or they get a, a fumbled punt late in their, you know, deep in Georgia's own territory and tank, you know, he breaks one. But this offensive line for, for Auburn is bad. And I think that a get-right game for Georgia after you finally drop down from their one spot and you, you finally start hearing some of the outside noise – which maybe at this point you kind of want. Um, you just try to block that out, but maybe you kind of want at this point because it's not exactly most glowing reviews. We'll see. Okay, well, Cody Schrader ran the ball pretty effectively. What do you have, like 70 yards rushing? Mm-hmm. Can Tank Bigsby at least do that? No. <laughs> he, had the same, he had the same line as a week ago. He had 12 carries for 44 yards. Yeah. Do you remember, again, I, I brought this set up last week. I don't think we're talking about it enough. What did I get on my damn hat? Um, Tank Bigsby had 44 yards rushing. He had 68 yards after contact. Think about that stat. <laughs> Think about that. Wow. That's so bad. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. hey, look. Sign of the cross. Say your prayer. I'll just say this. If yeah. they lose by, like, if they lose by 30, Harson's gone by Monday, right? No. No. Why? You expect to lose this game. Okay, He's but, like, ever. but that's, you can't lose in embarrassing fashion like that. No, this guy's like my first stepdad. He's just never going to leave. <laughs> uh, speak of never leaving, uh, Jimbo Fisher and the contract we all wish we could get. At uh, 7 o'clock Central on CBS, it's 3-2 and two Texas A&M at number one Alabama. The Crimson Tide, about a 24-point favorite at home. This is a payback game for Saban, no matter who the quarterback is. Make it effing hurt, Bama. You sat there all offseason. Listen, here's what pisses me off more than anything, I'm, and I'm getting fired up. I did not think I would for this game. Now, when you have a grown man call a press conference that is in the middle of May that no one else had to be at and you never had to have, and then to call another man a narcissist, the lack of self-awareness that has to take and the irony is just chef's kiss. I hope Bama beats them by a 1,000 
Um, now, I will say this, breaking down the game, I don't expect Bryce Young to play because I don't think he's going to need to play in this game. Um, Bryce Young injured his AC joint a week ago. Uh, we haven't heard anything about it, or I haven't heard anything about it this week, but maybe I'm wrong because I haven't really been paying attention to it. day-to-day. It's day-to-day. Cool. Um, so, Jalen Milrow a week ago in the second half went one of four for three total yards passing. This is a passing offense. We saw what they could do with rush with running the football, but I tell you what, man, you know, Jalen Milrow has a 77 yard gain. Jameer Gibbs has two 70 yard runs for touchdowns. I, those things happened and they mattered and all that kind of stuff. But if it doesn't happen, you probably find yourself going four and one going into this game um, against a And M. There's only, there's only one other team in the entire country that has three plays three rushes over 70 yards on the entire season. That's Air Force. Bama had three of them in the second half of that game against Arkansas. So I don't expect them to keep that up, but they're going up against an A&M defense that is not very good, uh, especially against the run. So I think Bama will expose them for that, and they won't need to see Bryce. You're going to need Bryce if you're going to walk out of Knoxville undefeated, and I'm just not expecting that to happen at this point. Well, they have Max Johnson, Texas A&M does, and I went back and looked, that game where LSU lost by six in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. last year, 20-14, to 14, Max Johnson played an, an okay game. He threw for 160 yeah. yards, two touchdowns, threw that pick, I think, right before halftime. Now, mm-hmm. he was 16 for 32, so it was basically 50% completion percentage. Right. But, like, if, if to say the least, like, A-Shane's got to run the ball well, but, like, Max Johnson yeah. – has to play well if AM has any chance to keep this one close. AM's got to win the turnover battle, which should not be hard because Bama's almost last in the SEC in turnover margin. I think they're like negative two at this point. Um, win the turnover battle by at least two. And you've got to you've got to get what you have to do is get get like an interception early. You've got to get in, in that quarterback set, whoever it is, whether it's Bryce or it's Milrow, you got to get an interception early, get that confidence shaky. And then you got to figure out a way to make make this game as mucky as last year was, right? Like Max Johnson come out lights out. I mean, I mean Zach Calzada was thirteen and fourteen. The ball the, the ball never hit the ground in the first half because the one incompletion was an interception. So you got to have something like that happen. Get a get a, a punt return for a touchdown or a kick return for a touchdown, and you know in the in the return game, you got to find ways to score points that aren't your offense necessarily because they're not going to put up a lot of points on offense. If Jimbo hadn't made the, if they hadn't had the, the the back and forth of the po- of the off season, I would be jumping on a And M plus the twenty four. Mm-hmm. But Without I feel, doubt. but I feel like Saban wants to prove a point, wants oh, to go. Going, yeah, and you're, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, enjoy your yeah. number one recruiting class, Aggies. I feel like that's what Saban is. Uh, is you know, say. let me throw this idea out here too. This is something I said the other day on Saturday, and people thought I was crazy as usual. But I don't think I'm wrong about this. If this, this is the scary truth if you're an A&M fan, okay? If you're an A&M fan, what's really scary is it's like I, I compared it like to getting out of the shower and, and you're looking at yourself and the mirror is becoming unfogged. And maybe you have a body like me, and this is why, you're, this is why it's a sad picture. Because as that mirror becomes unfogged, your confidence is just starting to go away because you're seeing who you are, right? If you're A&M and you're seeing who you are, it's not a pretty sight. And if you beat Bama, if you beat Bama, you go to four and two. You know what four and two is? It's halfway to eight and four. And that's a scary thought because if you go, if you, even if you beat Bama for a second year in a row, I don't know that you beat Ole Miss. I don't think you do. I don't know if you beat, you know, a lot of those teams on your schedule. And if you go eight and four with a win over Bama this year, 
it's not as fun as last year. That the the you know it's lost a lot of its luster, and so now you're sitting there like, if we beat Bama and we go eight and four, like that even a winning number one team in the country at their place doesn't really give you a lot of oomph going into the offseason. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point because even if know, you, you, it up. you slayed the dragon last year and it didn't mean anything, mm-hmm. and if you do it again, I mean, they're going to be putting banners up saying, we beat Bama two years in a row. Take right. that, Saban. Yeah, but you lost to both the Mississippi schools two years in a row. You right. know, like that's where it starts to come. When are you ever going to get to Atlanta? Now, look, if they beat Bama and they could run the table, mm-hmm. maybe need some help along the way, but they could get there. But I just don't know what we've seen from the quarterback play of Max Johnson and Haynes King and whoever. I've even seen some Aggie fa- folks saying this week, look, throw Connor Wegman out there at this point. He was a highly was touted kid. That he was like the the quarter number one quarterback in the state of Texas. Like, why not at this point throw him? Like, if this season's going nowhere, let him go through his growing pains, and then he can be yeah. the starter next year, and then you start Dude. building your dynasty with him. Haynes King is through, through his fourth interception for a touchdown last week. His fourth, his fourth pick six. Think about how many times he started, like four games that tied an SEC all time record. Eek. That's not that's not where you want to be. And then the other thing is too, when you talk about like like okay, like think about some of these teams that have beaten Bama back to back years. The first one, I th- I think there's only two. I think there's only two. Do you know who they are? Did LSU since do it? Since David's been there since 2008. LSU and Ole Miss. Yeah. Okay. And and LSU lost the national championship game to Bama, and and we all know how some of the fans feel about that season because you had one of the best teams in the country, maybe pro, maybe history of college football, just the way they they went through that season. Um, and then you have you have Ole Miss, who won I think nine, ten games and went to a Sugar Bowl that people outside of Oxford don't really remember. So it's a weird situation. They could beat Bama again, and it wouldn't mean anything really. He is Chris Marler. He still has nightmares about Bo Wallace. We appreciate you uh, coming on, man. Of course, I'll see you next week. All right, we'll talk to you next week. He is Chris Marler, the College Football Uncensored podcast. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe. Check us out on YouTube if you haven't. You can go give us uh, five stars on iTunes or uh, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the video version of the podcast. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC football. Got some great guests coming up uh, throughout the week this week. We're going to do a crossover episode with the uh, Falls and LSU host, and uh, we'll preview that big game this weekend. Plenty more to go this week on Locked on SEC. Have a great day, everybody.